0: Welcome to the Prosthetic Experience. Through the Prosthetic Experience, you will experience a changing field and how an inspiring, holistic view of prosthetics and bionics is helping overcome the immense obstacles that life brings. Episode 2, An Amputee's Experience, Part 2, features an amputee, Caroline Dunn, a college student in Dublin, Ireland who was born without a leg. In this episode, you will hear about the experience of an amputee in school, social, and college environments, and the way that having a prosthetic her entire life created a conflict within her about what is normal. And finally, her own perspective on the developing field. This is the prosthetic experience. Good afternoon, Caroline. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I'm very excited to talk with you about your experience growing up with a prosthetic limb. So I think first, can you just introduce yourself and then uh, tell me a little about um, your prosthetic and what limb you're missing?
1: Yeah. So hi, I'm Caroline Dunn. Um, I'm a below the knee amputee. I was born um with a congenital bone condition so the, my bones in the bottom of my right foot did not develop correctly or in some cases at, at all um and so it has led me to be using a below the knee prosthetic for all 20 years of my life
0: yeah and how has your prosthetic changed over time uh, based on like the activities you do and um just like that yeah
1: yeah so i've been a pretty standard um, use of a basic um, uh, foot socket. So I socket. So it's basically the socket, and there's an attached flat, non-moving um, foot. I know there's there's foots you can use that have ankles and can kind of constrain a little more motion. I did not have enough clearance, which meant between the bottom of the remaining limb and the leg, there was not enough space to put in an ankle ankle joint. Um, so I've had a basic flat foot. For a few years, I had something called the, it's a cheetah foot. It's most known for the foot that Oscar Pistorius ran in the Olympics on. It's that kind of big swing leg. Um, I used that, I think, from probably third grade to seventh grade as I was more active. And then when I moved into eighth grade in high school, I went back to the flat foot as it was, I wasn't doing as much activity and it was much easier to walk on.
0: That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so I think, I mean, I, so as a student, how did it impact you? Did, uh, and like, I guess also like socially, uh, was there any, I guess, uh, like different experience that you, uh, yeah. Had, um, yeah.
1: So the viewpoint on how disability is viewed within schools has definitely changed. Um, I mean, I have a great base point because I spent all the, 13 years at the same place. Yes. Um, so I've been able to see how it's changed. Um, and the beginning viewpoint on disability and especially physical disability, that's really the only one I can speak to on such a basis is it used to be, oh, she's just like all the other kids. She can do everything like everyone else. And as time goes on, as you know, I grew up, as I began to do different activities, it became very clear that I couldn't do everything like everyone else, but the mindset was still in, oh, she's fine, she can do everything. So that obviously creates some conflict in, you know, what I can do versus what they want me to do. I definitely saw that happen in my college experience this past year where I was taking a lot of classes that were movement based, even though I had gone into it telling the professors I was not able to do a lot of this movement and it ended up creating a lot of tricky situations because I was unable to do what they had asked and therefore they docked me for something out of my control. Um, Socially, I mean, I think it's the same when you're a small child, obviously there's something like different with you and when you are small, you don't, your brain doesn't particularly understand that maybe it's not the nicest thing in the world to point and go like, what's wrong with her leg? And so I've definitely had a lot of that when I was younger. It did happen some in school, um, but that got cleared up very quickly by the teachers who were like, we don't say that to people. Um, and then in public, it happened a lot as well. But now that I'm older, I mean, people don't notice it to the point that I literally have to be like, Hey, I can't do that. I don't have a foot. And they're immediately like, what do you mean? You don't have a foot. And I'm like, I, there's no foot here. It's fake. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of the only impact like socially it has. It's mainly the movement based and kind of movement-based and unable to do what people expect or people expecting too much. And then there's a lot of like, oh my God, congratulations, you did this. And it's like, yeah, I did it, but everyone does it.
0: Yeah. But so have people for the most part been accommodating like a teachers and um, coaches and. um,
1: um Potomac they were. Potomac. Um, yeah. So Potomac, my high school and middle school and lower school and whole schooling they were. um. I I was at Trinity College Dublin for a year, which is over in Ireland. Um, And unfortunately, the Irish have a bit of a different viewpoint on disability. It's a smaller country. It doesn't have as well-versed medical system. It's got healthcare for all. I had to experience the healthcare system myself. It's not good healthcare. It's definitely not up to what we have in the United States. And they're still kind of back in that stage that, was We were in, in the United States probably in 2007, 2010, where it's, oh, she's, dis- she's disabled, but oh, she can do whatever she wants. Like, it's not, it's not an issue. It's not going to cause any problem. So there's no thought process to, if a student with disabilities comes into the space, how do we make sure to include them instead of just exclu- um, excluding them and saying, oh, no, it's fine for you to just sit out. It's how do we yeah. include them and make sure they can do the activities as well.
0: Yep, definitely, definitely. And then also, I mean, being so you're being abroad, and I, I so I, I just for the viewers, um, I I did a little internship at um the prosthetist office that Caroline goes to, and um so I saw Caroline last summer, and uh so she gets fitted for her prosthetic and gets the adjustments in um Virginia, and so like how does that I guess affect your uh, like when you, let's say you have a problem when you're in Ireland and um, you need some adjustment like how, how how does that work being away from where you usually get fit so
1: I would basically be up a tree I would not have really any options Um, I did as to be an international student to get your student visa you have to provide private health care so they're not worried you're gonna go and like whack up their health care it didn't make a lot of sense to me since they all had healthcare and then they're like, you don't get it though. Yeah. Um, and so I would basically be up a tree. There was no I could go. I had a few places in my back pocket that I researched that was like, okay, if there's like a drastic emergency, I could go to this place to get them just to hold it together until I can get on a plane and go back to the States. But it basically, it would, my only choice if something like if the leg broke or I needed a, an immediate like socket refitting is I would have to get on a plane and go back to the United States.
0: And has anything like that happened yet? Or no, not?
1: thankfully. Oh, okay. But I also kind of ignored all the socket issues, um, and so actually, this Monday, this upcoming Monday on the third, I have an appointment over in Elliot's office in Fairfax. Though Elliot's not there anymore, um, to get yeah. a full new socket because mine is so ill-fitting that um, it is a sh- it is almost embarrassing how badly it fits at the moment
0: so um so i mean when when it doesn't fit right like how what do you what pain do you experience and um how does that affect you
1: so it generally depends on how it's not fitting which is not the world's best answer um there was a moment of time where there was more of an issue with my bone the internal bone in my leg but when it's the socket the best description i have is like when you put your hand hand in a pringles can and then your hand is stuck in the Pringles can and you can't get your hand out and it's like really tight and like really restrictive. Um, yeah. It's basically that. It's, so it's pretty, um, it's not comfortable. It's definitely, I can move around on it, but it, I, my walking ability probably goes from about 75% of a mile to half a mile, if not 25% of a mile um, with a bad fitting leg.
0: So then, I, I mean, I guess this kind of goes off what we've been talking about, but um, so as, I mean, as a college student, like, like we've been talking about, um, you've had a different experience than the other interviewees of my other episodes. Um, so I think it's very important for my viewers to understand your unique perspective. So how does your disability impact you uniquely in ways that people would never even think about?
1: I think when you are a amputee at birth, I had my amputation at 11 months old. Um, yeah. so it's basically at birth. I have no recollection of any of it. You you don't realize how much it is a the amputation, how much a prosthetic is a part of you until later in life. And I think a lot of the time, if you have an amputation later on in life, all, when you have an amputation later on in life, you're also dealing with different like phantom pain. There's a yeah. lot of uh, nerve systems that I just don't recall um and I think the idea of never to, to me the idea of having two feet is very foreign to me and there's so many little things that I just don't think about so like if I'm to get in to bed at the end of the day it's like it's not just like I can jump in bed there's like three steps I have to do or to get out of bed in the middle of the night um to go like feed my dog because she's screaming downstairs I have to like get up. I have to find my leg. I have to find the liner. I have to put it on. Like there's just additional steps that do not factor in until you have to think about it, which I've been very lucky to not to have to think about it because I've had such good prosthetic care. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just, it's just a lot of the little things that you just don't think about. And then when it comes time for you to think about it, you're like, oh, this is, what do you mean I have to do? Why can't I just do this another time? But yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of difficult to explain. Um, I've talked to a few people with, you know, traumatic or like post further down in life amputations. Yeah, And I actually did a program camp, no limits. Um, and they it's interesting because they are dealing with a lot of things like learning how to walk and learning how to balance. And I can walk and I can balance just about as well, if not sometimes slightly better as mo- um, than most people. Because for me, it's always been what they are. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, and then based on like all these problems and uh, like honestly, just your experience, um, what innovations in prosthetics do you hope to witness? Um, and uh, that can be interpreted like any way you want.
1: Yeah. So I definitely think making prosthetic legs easier to obtain would be great um this is my first time going through and getting a new leg without um dr um weintraub elliot i've just always known him by his first name yeah um without elliot there so i i'm not quite sure how it's going to work um i typically with him it would take me two two and a half weeks to get a new leg which um doesn't seem like a while, but that's two and a half weeks that I'm kind of out of motion. Yes. Um, I also think the the cost and the materials needed to make legs are extremely, extremely um, prohibitive. I mean, if, just for example, because I, I know what they have to charge and I have to manage all of this as well, a, a prosthetic leg, one that I have, which is literally the basic, like most basic one you can get, is I think at least $10,000. And so if yeah. you don't have good insurance, I'm very, very lucky to have great insurance because I'm under 25 and it's my parents' insurance. Um, and if you don't have that insurance or you don't have that money put away somewhere, which no one basically does, that's a lot of money to have put away. Yeah. Um, you can't afford a leg and then you're relying on crutches or a wheelchair. And those are so much more difficult to deal with than a prosthetic, especially a wheelchair.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I've, I've read a lot into this issue because uh, for one of my science projects, I'm like, I'm targeting like people in developing countries don't have access to like these. I mean, prosthetics, as you were saying, are so expensive, so they don't have access to the doctors or just the like the money to get these prosthetics. So I'm working on some low cost prosthetics, and I think just targeting that like accessibility field is crucial. Um, yeah, no,
1: that's like yeah. the main that's the main part of it is it's it's an essential it's to me it's the same as glasses but because if it's glasses it's kind of an easy fix but prosthetic legs for whatever reason are so unsustainably expensive that people can't afford them and that's going to lead to a whole like if you can't have a prosthetic and you're moving on it or you're relying on these other strategies, you're causing yeah. more damage to the residual, the the rest of the limb.
0: Yeah, I mean they're necessary. They're necessary for just like having, like living normally. So yeah, um, yeah, you're totally right. Totally right. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else that you you think what the viewers should hear about from your experience?
1: Or- I think, I mean, I'm assuming your viewers are not like five year olds. Um, but I'm, I think the idea of, I don't know, it's, it's difficult managing a prosthetic in public life because there's, there's two sides. There's a side that's of you that's like, I don't want people staring at me. I don't want people looking at me. This is a nightmare when like a five-year-old from like across the mall, like screams at her mother and it's like, what's with her leg? And you're like, Oh my gosh. Um, But then there's the other side that's like, yeah, you do want to help kids learn. And if I can be a good example or good, um, like, representative to kids, that would be great. But it also, the idea of not, like, itemizing or, and forgive me, I've forgotten the word, but the idea of not, like, putting disabled people into one box and being, very much like yeah. oh she's disabled she can't do this or oh she can't do this one specific activity that means she can't do this it's like no maybe I can't go for a walk with my dogs but that doesn't mean I can't go to the baseball park like there's even though the amount of movement might that makes be sense same, yeah yeah and there's a lot of that going on currently as well so it's I it's mean- definitely interesting to be um physically disabled after COVID and but COVID didn't really affect it's a physical disability. So COVID's got no issue with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I mean, that was very insightful. And I, I mean, just hearing about your experience is, um, I, I think this is going to be an amazing addition to the podcast, um, thank you. just for like a diverse perspective. So, thank you for inviting um, me. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much.